Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriela Ariana Campoverde, but you can call me Gabby. Our guest today is Ryan George, the Chief Marketing Officer of DocuPace. Founded in 2002, DocuPace is a solutions provider focused on digitizing and automating operations in the financial advice and investment industry. For close to two decades, this company has served wealth managers and helped them to work faster, more securely, and with fewer errors. The platform is composed of client onboarding, document management, advisor transition, and regulation business intelligence features. In this episode, you will learn about how DocuPace empowers its users to do more in less time, the types of users the company works with, the importance of back office innovation, and more on Ryan's 15-year career in financial services. Now, let's get started. Ryan, it's so nice to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's lovely to be here. Awesome. And where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Coppell, Texas, which is just west of Dallas uh, near DFW. So I'm right here in the North Texas heat. (laughs) Sounds sounds about right. So again, really great to have you on the show today and excited to learn more about DocuPace. I was wondering if you can start off by describing what is the problem that your company is trying to solve? Sure. Well, at here at DocuPace, I think our we sort of work under a universal truth. And the universal truth is we want to make heroes of people in the back office. So when we say that, it's the people who often are the unsung heroes of the operation, those that work in the back office that process the paperwork, the applications, and do a lot of the heavy lifting within the wealth management space that aren't sort of the financial advisor or the salespeople, but the people who make sure the account gets open correctly, that the information is correct, that um, all the appropriate signatures and approvals are made. Um, and we see that as important. We want to sort of lift them up and shine a light on them as much as possible. Awesome. And as CMO, I'm sure you have great insights into who your users are. What types of firms in particular are you targeting? Sure. Well, historically, we have served the enterprise broker-dealer space. So we have about 50, 55% sort of market share within some of the independent broker-dealers, which are a step below the in size from the wirehouses like the JP Morgan's. Um, or even the Goldman Sachs, but they're larger than most of the RIAs in the business. So they generally have anywhere from, you know, 200 to 1,000 or, you know, even 4,000 advisors. Um, And we've really been sort of niched in that space so that the benefit of working with those types of clients is we can provide a centralized process that all the different correspondent firms can then align with so that business is easier to process and be able to, you know, put the paperwork through. Like anybody in this space, um, the RIA market and the explosion of growth in the RAA market, uh, which is the registered investment advisor, the advisor, sort of the fee for advisory business world, which has been growing you know, at a really rapid pace over the past decade and a half. I think we are adamant about going into that space and we'll be doing so this year with a streamed down, streamlined version of our product. So I'll help those businesses as well. Awesome. And what does the paperwork look like? You know, I'm a software development person, more on like the product management side. So haven't done a traditional finance role. Like what are your clients doing on a day-to-day basis and how are you helping them with your platform? Sure. So initially, you know, it starts with sort of the first account opening engagement. So, 
if you look at where DocuBase comes in the process, so a financial advisor will work with the prospect to turn them into a client. Uh, when they're there, make the recommendation to the client, the client has to sign account paperwork. It's not dissimilar from you know signing a mortgage or, or anything. There's, we are a regulated ministry that has uh, lots of different you know disclosures and other items that have to go through. But generally, we'll create these packets of paper that has to be signed with your account information, has to be verified, and you also have to put in your, your wiring instructions and all things like that. So that's part of the process that we have to go through. But there's within wealth management, you also have to make sure that the person who's recommending that product is licensed to do so, that the client is a fit. So there's all these entanglements that come within the business that need to be verified. And you have to, with AML, so with something that's come up the past, it's a, a naturalized American citizen and being able to open the, open the account and that they're not, um, they're not an account that's going to commit fraud or money laundering. So there's all sorts of things that have to go through, the boxes that need to be checked. And that's where we come in and we can help automate those processes. So this area of the business is probably one of the last bastions of the American economy where the fax machine is still a critical component of a lot of people's technology stack. You wouldn't believe how many people still print out the paper, the applications get signed and then fax it in to their particular home office. And we have done a good job in trying to eliminate that. It's not very modern by any means, but it's also just not the best process we think we have believed that we can deliver a better client experience, better advisor experience, as well as a better experience for the people in the home office that have to then process that paperwork. Yeah, I, I can only imagine the like enhancements that you've made to the user experience overall, like how, how much more simple it is to no longer have to manage this, but also probably the look and feel with your platform looks a lot better. Do you mind talking a bit more about remember beforehand we were mentioning a couple of case studies or particular like firms that you know you were able to have such a great impact on can you share a bit more details about like what that looks like from specific sure. examples sure so one example i talk about is a firm called kill point so kill point's a wealth management advisory firm that does sort of all in investment planning taxes estate they're sort of all in sort of full service firm and they had been a docu-based client for some time but they hadn't they hadn't fully embraced all of the different capabilities that DocuPace has. And so in DocuPace, one of the things we do each year is we get our, gather our clients together to share best practices. Because we know, you know, like most technologies, the utilization hurdle and getting people to change their behaviors and not adopt the technology on, as a corporate level, but actually build it into their processes that they've been doing for so long. So with KillPoint, we were able to remove faxing. So where they began was they would have a single document that would have to be downloaded, then emailed, then printed, then scanned, then faxed, then rescanned, then re-uploaded. That was their client onboarding lifecycle, right? So think about how many steps that takes and also how many steps that takes that have to be done 100% correctly to not spin it out and reject it in what we call NIGO. So, you know, re reject the process. So they were able to work with us to actually get account paperwork bundles together. So when somebody said, oh, I want to open up X type of an account, they would pull it together. And then that would be in one bundle that could be done completely, sent to the client, signed by the client and delivered to the home office all digitally without having to printing out pieces of paper. That sounds amazing. The way that I'm thinking about the process that you described is for us, something that happened recently was signing a lease. You know, back in the day, you would have to drop things off and, you know, God knows where, but now there's DocuSign. So I can only imagine how much this really saves 
the advisor time and you know, at the end of the day, time is money. And I do, one thing that I appreciate about your website is you guys have a calculator. So yes, you ask how many minutes do you spend processing each application and like, what's the feedback that you get after you onboard users and it's the first time that this firm is starting to use your platform? Yes. So our platform is deep inside the business. So it is a technology that requires a level of training and a level of knowledge in order to run the business, right? So we sort of go in between the custodial processes and the clearing firms, as well as the the front-end CRM for capabilities and applications. So there is a a bit of a learning curve in terms of getting DocuPace on board, but once they have done so, um, we've we've seen firms that have, you know, anywhere from 40 to 50% reduction in application rejections just by um, putting in the system. And the reason for that is like one feature the uh, the system has is it will automatically fill information if you say you put in your birth date on the first page of an application it would then go refill that information throughout the paperwork so you take away some of those data entry errors that can often happen uh, when filling out large sort of books of paper and one of the things that we're actually we've launched it with RBC and uh, the RBC wealth division and we're excited about is actually taking forms out of the process so if you've ever used like a TurboTax to file your taxes, there's a lot of questions that you're asked and answered without ever seeing a form that it will tie to. And that's one of the things that we've worked with them to develop is where when a client is onboarded, a series of questions can be asked, like what's your birth date or who is your spouse that you can answer and not have to necessarily fill it in in a box, the system will do that for you. So it sort of takes the application process out of the, uh, out of the picture. That sounds awesome. And I'm sure your clients are really excited about that. So looking forward to hearing what RBC will say about the impact that it's had on them. And I wanted to pivot a bit more to talking about you and your career. You've had around 16 years in financial services and started straight out of college. What got you interested in the industry and why did you decide to stay there so long? (laughs) Sure, sure. I I will probably say I'm probably one of the people that's most passionate about this industry that you'll speak to just because I love it so much. You know, I bought my first stock. I was an umpire um, when I was in high school for a little league, uh, for a little league near my, you know, where I grew up. And I would take my money and, and go buy stocks with it. Now, it turns out picking penny stocks when you're in high school is probably not the best long-term investment strategy because all the companies I invested in, you know, ended up going bankrupt in the dot-com bubble. But I still, my love for financial services was still there. So when I graduated college, like most college students, it wasn't easy to find a job right out of the gate. Um, and I had an in at a mutual fund firm in San Antonio, which gave me my first job to be a rep. And I've, you know, I'm one of those few people that have a both passion for the industry and have a job where my, you know, my natural skills get, can be applied in doing that job. So I, I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. Yeah. And you've stayed in more of like marketing roles throughout your time. What aspects of that role did you enjoy the most? And you have such a bubbly personality, which I I could hear most people had mentioned, get ready for this interview. So I I really enjoyed it so far. And you have like a really um, fun personality to go into a marketing role. So what made you stay there? You know, it's one of those things that I wish I could say was some part of some master plan. But I took my last math class as a junior in high school, and even though my teacher at the time said I would regret it not taking more math, I moved on to something else. I moved on to being in public speaking and, and creative writing. And I think what I love about um, the job that I have, whether it's in my public relations background or marketing or even advertising, is I get to take the work that my colleagues do 
and then share it with the world. And it's sort of my job to make sure that as many people as possible know how great the work is they do each day. And that's something that I think, how could you not love doing that? And that's sort of what gives me energy each day. That's fantastic. And you've been at DocuPace for about a year now. So how would you describe its culture as a newcomer? And you know, what gets you excited about talking about what your colleagues are doing? Sure. So with DocuPace, so I arrived at DocuPace in right about September 1st of 2020. And I have been a customer during my time at First Global. We were a DocuPace customer. So I had been familiar with what DocuPace did. And I think like most businesses and most people, DocuPace is a work in progress. So we try to be better today than we were the day before and, and so on. And I think what I'm finding with DocuPace is there's a people, whether they're new to the business or whether they've been there a long time, they are invested in creating a better day and creating a business, a culture that they can sort of wrap their arms around. And I think that that's something from the top down is really exciting for me. The business opportunities are magnificent as well. So this business is consolidating quickly. Um, we were able to acquire a partner fintech company in May um, and continuing to be you know, active in the acquisition environment. But it's a business that's you know, it's moving forward. It's moving fast. And you know, for a decade, this industry talked about innovation but never adopted it. And with the pandemic, it really sort of slingshotted us forward to where people were really forced to adopt the things that they had just been talking about for so long. So that, that gets me excited. Wow. Yeah. I'm curious. It almost seems as though you guys have been there for a while already and the move to remote work just made it easier for quite a number of your users. But how have you seen the industry changing in the past three to five years? And you know, how have they been adopting more of the habits or potentially how have you guys been addressing a lot more of the needs that your users have? Well, so there's three things that I think are big changes. The first is the demographics in the business are changing. So the middle-aged white male as the dominant player in the industry, I think, is finally coming to an end. So the industry is, has worked hard. Um, for a while, it was just hot air, but now I think it's actually become so in trying to get an actual more, more diverse face in the business. So as people who have pushed and been pushed into retirement through COVID or just aging, I think when they've been replaced, they've been replaced with a more diverse, you know, more women have entered the business, more women are in leadership positions, more diverse cultural backgrounds are in the business. And I think that that's something that's finally seen coming to fruition in the business. But I think it's really important because we're starting to look more like the clients we need to serve. Not every client that needs wealth management advice and, and should have the power of sound financial planning put in their life, they come in all shapes and sizes and look, look like America. And so as an industry, we need to make sure we look like America as well. The second one is digital adoption. So to what we just talked about, I think a lot of companies that had put digital transformation on their roadmap, but it was always sort of out of reach, I think were just slammed. They had to get, they had to get it done because we were all locked down, right? Their clients were locked down, their employees were locked down. They were forced to adopt a digital process. And now that they have, I don't think anybody wants to go back, right? So just like what we were talking before, if you go into a digital, formless, paperless world, you're never gonna go back to printing things out and emailing it and you know, and, and all those steps that I mentioned before. And then the last one, which is probably most philosophical and most important for me is the mindset. So for many of us, I think we have less space for the frivolous. And so, you know, the things that are unimportant or you know, overly dramatic parts of our lives, like if we don't like our job, we quit it. If we don't enjoy a friendship or relationship, we end it now. And I think there's some psychology in there that has stripped us down to like our studs 
And now as we rebuild our lives, we're trying to find the best materials and, you know, be able to, you know, rebuild our lives in a way that's more ideal. And I think that that's hopefully that's a trend that will, as we go back to quote unquote normal, uh, that we keep. What insights have you had from DocuPace or feedback have you got where there's the ability for you and fellow players in the space to really challenge the way that a lot of asset managers work today? What are their current wants and how can you guys innovate that space a bit more? Sure. So I think, uh, you know, we are at a historic shift away from the front office technology to modernizing and digitizing the back office. And what I mean by that is for the last decade plus, a lot of the innovation has been on sort of product delivery analysis on the very front end with the client, with the advisor that uses with the client. And that's a very good technology, they're very important. But what it hasn't done is made the work easier and made the systems more integrated in creating really an efficient ecosystem to actually do business. So if you were to go interview a bunch of financial advisors, probably nine out of 10, if not 10 out of 10 would tell you, uh, if I only had more time, if I only had more time, I could get more clients, I could serve them better. And that's what one of the things that DocuBase is able to deliver is being able to improve the, the modernization of the processes, right? So it's not sexy. It's never gonna necessarily be the thing that's on top of everybody's mind. But I do think there is a movement today where the race for execution is on, and we hope that DocuPace can then set that pace. I'm laughing because I always use that term whenever um, it's not sexy, when I refer to internal software, because you always forget about the people that are doing the everyday work, right? It's like you mentioned, everyone's so excited about something that's more external facing, will directly impact the person who is giving you the money. But in the end of the day, it's really these processes. If you're able to run cogs more efficiently, that makes the machine run faster a lot. Yeah, and it makes it, going back to the point about culture, culture isn't necessarily on the books of America's corporations, but we all know the company cultures that are good and we can identify them. And we know that recruiting and getting people engaged and energized in the work they're doing, those things are important too. So I think to your point about internal process, internal systems. I mean, those things are um, just as important stakeholders as anything else. Yeah. And, and it really goes down to it, as, as you mentioned, making sure that people matter, you know, with, with the types of, with the type of platform that you're working with and you're building with your, with your team, it's, it's really ensuring that these folks are making the best out of their time and are able to spend more time with things that require a person versus um, require a better process to be in place, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure my counterparts heard me, or peers heard me say this, they would roll their eyes because they hear me say it all the time, but we're a people company that happens to deliver technology. We're not a tech company because tech is just what we're, the products we sell, the people are really what drive the business forward. Yeah. And is there anything that you're excited about in, like, it could be in this particular industry that you're, well, sector of the industry that you're in or like financial services or fintech in general that you're looking forward to seeing more of throughout the next five to 10 years? Sure. I think data, which is a very broad category, I think data can open up a whole Pandora's box of cool things that the business can do in terms of behavioral finance is a big part of what a financial advisor does, basically stopping somebody from making a mistake. Well, there's a lot of data out there. We have these sort of big marketplaces of data that can say, hey, well, I know this person 
that fits this profile often makes this type of mistake and here's how I can prevent them. So like even predictive analytics using data, you know, personalization. So being able to really hone down and not just use your first name in the top, you know, dear first name in your in the email, but actually deliver personalized content that's based on the needs of the individual, I think is something that we're just scratching the surface of. And then to, in DocuPace terms, I think finding data and becoming a consultant to our business partners to say, hey, here's where there's some gaps in your business that we think we can help with. And because we have the data that shows it, I think those are all things that, you know, data can help drive forward. And as you're looking back to your time in DocuPace and your previous companies, like what's one moment in your career where you're really grateful for that has either kept you going for this long and kept you interested in the types of problems that you're working on right now or that you saw as a growth opportunity that really sticks with you today? So I'm going to give you a surprising answer. And it was the day I was laid off from my job. As part of an acquisition, um, you know, when you bring companies together, there's often duplicative roles. And when my company, First Global, was acquired um, by another company, it ended up having duplicate roles and my role no longer existed. As terrible, you know, as that moment was and as hard as difficult that was at the time, um, it set me on a path of sort of self-discovery and maturity in terms of knowing what I need to do, knowing what I want to do, and basically putting, you know, my feet to the pavement to go find my next role. And I think that that's been the best opportunity. And the reason I share that with your listeners is, you know, sometimes you think the best things that happen to you are the things that are most impactful, when really sometimes the worst things that happen to you become the most impactful and the biggest opportunities to grow. And I think that that's something that has really stuck with me and is, you know, something that I try to speak with younger people, try to remind them of, not everything's going to be an unbumpy path, but when you hit those bumps, finding your way through it and using it to grow can really help. Yeah, that's an amazing story to share. And thank you for that. And would it be our podcast without your last question being a fun one? So I'm really excited to hear the answer for this one. So what's your favorite part of living in Texas? Well, it's the really hot summers and the ice wind. No, I'm just kidding. It's the people. I, I think... Texas has very friendly people. They have, you know, all the best parts of the Southern hospitality uh, have come to Texas. But there's a mixture of cultures in Texas that I think is unique. I'm from South Texas, which heavily influenced Hispanic culture. And there's things that I grew up with that are just cool parts that other people don't get exposed to. We have, you know, all different types of populations and being so big, there's different climates. But no matter where you are in the state, you'll still find friendly people who will welcome you in and have a conversation. And I think that's something that, you know, I particularly love about Texas because I've traveled around the country and I've traveled around the world and not everybody's so friendly. The French are much friendlier than they thought they would be than their reputation precedes them. But people in Texas are very friendly. <laughs> You're speaking to a New Yorker and I remember my time in Austin and in Dallas. And yeah, I, I would very much agree with you. <laughs> Um, well, Ryan, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate your time again. And it was so lovely to have you on the show today. Awesome. It's been great being here. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton FinTech Podcast. If you love our show, please write us a review or engage with us on social media. We greatly appreciate your support and it helps us spread the word to more listeners. 
If you want more content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Medium at Warren Fintech. Here you'll access interviews, articles, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. As always, a very special thank you to our wonderful editor, Rafael Ostria. Until next time, your host, Gabby.